0: For a hundred plus days, ever since Russia invaded Ukraine, we have heard the story and we have told the story that Russia is isolated. Vladimir Putin is friendless. His war of aggression is impossible to defend. But a meeting between Putin and another world leader five days ago suggests that maybe we underestimated Putin. Macky Sal, the head of the African Union, is gearing up to hold talks with Vladimir Putin in Sochi on Friday. The Senegalese head of state is looking for a breakthrough. Putin has something that much of the world needs very badly, and he knows it, and he's using it to make allies. Coming up on Today Explained, how Russia turned food into a weapon of war. It's Today Explained. I'm Noel King. If you have been anywhere lately, you most likely have seen a very simple flag strung across a window or tacked to the side of a building. It's blue up on the top. It's yellow on the bottom. That is the Ukrainian flag. It's being flown as a sign of solidarity. The blue represents the sky, and the yellow represents wheat fields, of which Ukraine has many.
1: It's top five in the world when it comes to exports of wheat And corn and barley. It's the biggest exporter in the world, by far, when it comes to sunflower oil.
0: Dan Charles, a freelance journalist and radio producer who covers agriculture and climate. That is a lot.
1: Well, it's a big country. So think about, let's say you're driving across the United States. You drive across Ohio, Indiana, Illinois, Iowa. Ukraine is bigger than those states put together. And a lot of it actually looks like the American Midwest. You know, it's a former grassland, like the American prairie, deep, rich soil. A perfect balance of sunshine and
2: rainfall has the fabled Black Earth Belt of Ukraine, long known as the breadbasket of Europe, bursting with marketable products.
1: You go back in history a little bit, you know, before the Soviet Union, there were lots of little farms across that area in the early 1930s in the soviet union that was collectivized brutally big collective farms were formed on that area
0: the soviet union's forced collectivization program was supposed to modernize farming but it contributed to a famine that killed millions of ukrainian farmers
1: then you know the soviet union collapsed as we know and in the past 15 years or so a lot of investors have come in Companies um, rented that land and they are running big farms with modern equipment and they are really very productive.
3: Look where we're standing now. This was an old collective farm in Soviet times and now it's one of the most modern agricultural complexes.
0: When there's not a war, how do these foodstuffs get out of Ukraine?
1: They go out on trucks and train loads. By and large, they head to ports on the Black Sea, which, if you're looking at a map, is on the southern edge of Ukraine, particularly on the southwestern side. The biggest ports are in Odessa and around uh, Mykolaiv. And from there, these ships would take that grain all over the world.
0: And so, Russia began its war in Ukraine in February, which meant it was the middle of the winter. What would have been happening with Ukraine's food exports at that point?
1: Right. So, the wheat fields were actually planted already. Um, In Ukraine, they mostly grow what's called winter wheat, which you plant in the fall, and then it goes dormant, and then it starts growing again when uh, temperatures warm up in the spring. So, the wheat fields were there just ready to grow. Um, The other fields, yeah, they were ready for planting. The ports, though, were really busy uh, because they were shipping last year's harvest— I actually called up one of the people who follows this really closely. His name is Andrei Sizov. Uh, He's head of a company called Savikon. He really follows Black Sea grain markets. And he was saying, you know, the ports were full of grain ready to ship.
2: Uh, Ukraine harvested a record high crop in 2021. Uh, it was exporting it uh, very fast. Actually, we thought that it was a good chance
1: Ukraine could become, again, number one corn supplier to China instead of the U.S. You know, when Russia invaded, there were still about 20 million tons of grain, both corn and wheat, ready to get loaded on ships.
0: And so when the war started, did Russia immediately blockade those 20 million tons?
1: Well, what happened immediately was ships just stopped because they were scared they were nobody dared to enter the Black Sea out of fear insurance companies jacked their rates up so much because of the risk that shippers said you know nope uh, you know not going to go into the Black Sea so that happened right away I doubt strongly that a reopening of the ports could happen shortly
2: because unfortunately this war it's becoming a Economical war as well. And I don't think that Russia will be interested in helping Ukraine and Ukrainian agriculture and the Ukrainian economy and to reopen the terminals.
0: That grain that's been stuck since February at the Black Sea ports, what happens to it? Does it rot? Does it go bad? Like, how urgent is it that it gets to where it needs to go?
1: There have been reports of, you know, Russians basically seizing grain and transporting it, you know, back to Russia.
3: These new satellite images show what appear to be the ramping up of theft by Russia of Ukrainian grain being poured into the
1: open hold of a Russian ship. It's unclear how much of that is going on. But you know, the facilities, if they're not destroyed, that grain can sit there quite a while. Wheat is not necessarily going to go bad. Um, The problem is, there's another harvest coming.
0: At what point does it occur to the rest of the world that if this war keeps going, we're in trouble? When did that realization hit?
1: It hit immediately.
0: Huh. <laughs> okay.
1: The clearest signal was. People got scared that there was going to be a shortage of grain, and so they immediately tried to secure their own supplies, driving up prices.
0: You might have noticed at your grocery store that food prices are up. One item getting hit hard right now is
1: wheat. In the Uh, days after the war broke up, wheat prices shot up. Same happened with sunflower oil. Uh, It has dropped since then but it's still like 40 or 50% more expensive than before the war. And part of what's driving that is simply the uncertainty and the fear as countries or grain traders, you know, try to grab and hoard grain supplies for themselves.
0: Is any of it getting out into the world
1: in other ways than the seaports? A little bit can find its way across the Western border on trucks into Romania or Slovakia or Poland, but there are big logistical problems. Trains are complicated because there's a different rail gauge, you know, in Ukraine versus in Poland or Slovakia. And so stuff would the train cars would have to be lifted up and put back on different wheel sets underneath. So I talked to a farming expert who's worked in this region. He's named uh, Mike Lee. He's British. He's director of a company called Green Square Agro Consulting, which monitors farming operations all over this region. And he said, you know, a lot of people... For a while, we're talking about transporting grain to this port in Romania that Hmm. also is on the Black Sea. But he said, you know, just look at this route. (laughs) You have to deal with crossing international borders. And then you get to the Danube River and there's a ferry And the ferry looks more like a
3: tourist ferry. Um, I don't know, I haven't uh, worked it out, but it takes, what, sort of 40
1: or 50 vehicles at a time to shuttle backwards and forwards across the the Danube. Yeah, so it's just not going to work easily. He said farmers can store quite a bit of wheat on their farms, and Hmm. they will have to. Starting a few weeks from now, they're going to start harvesting, you know, their wheat crops at the end of June. But then September comes and they're going to be harvesting corn and sunflowers, and it is really going to be piling up.
3: The solution is the ports have to open. Mykolaev and uh, Odessa ports have to open because that's the only real viable solution to um, exporting grain.
0: Okay, so Mike Lee is saying you have to open the ports. Russia is saying absolutely not. Ukraine's president, Volodymyr Zelensky, has been begging the West to break this blockade. And I wonder, how likely is that? Wouldn't that mean anyone
1: who gets involved in
0: breaking the blockade is
1: effectively going to war with Russia, too? That's what it seems like. Yeah. Uh, And the West, you know, has not been interested in getting directly involved in fighting on land in Ukraine. We will not fight a war against Russia in Ukraine. So it seems unlikely that they do it at sea.
0: Let's talk about the knock-on effects. Where does Ukraine's food normally go? Who's in trouble?
1: So a lot of it goes to North Africa and the Middle East. Uh, One of the biggest customers is Egypt. But the thing to remember is the people who are in trouble are everywhere. They're everybody who's already struggling to pay for food, right? So just an example, like a lot of countries— Uh, like Egypt, have programs that deliver cheap subsidized bread to people Mm -hmm. who need it. And that is the case in lots of places around the world.
0: Coming up with Ukraine's grain stuck at ports, Vladimir Putin is using what Russia has and also what Russia is stealing to form alliances in Africa.
3: for the show today comes from Mint Mobile. There's lots of ways to spend $15. Like, I don't know. What would I spend $15? Maybe like a really good burrito and a drink because I think $15 for just the burrito would be a little steep, but with a drink, you know, probably about that. Anyway, you could also... Put your fifteen dollars towards a new phone plan from guess who, Mint Mobile. By switching to Mint Mobile, you could say goodbye to an overpriced monthly plan or unexpected fees. How much does your cell phone plan cost? Probably not fifteen dollars. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just fifteen bucks a month, you can go to mintmobile.com/explained. That is mintmobile.com/explained. You can cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com explain explained if they really want me to say that. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month, obviously. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speeds slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details.
0: It's Today Explained. I'm Noel King. On June 3rd, a remarkable meeting took place in Sochi, Russia. There's a picture. It shows Senegal's president, who's also head of the African Union, sitting on one side of a small coffee table looking concerned. The head of the African Union saw this as a crucial way to reduce hunger in Africa. Talking with Vladimir Putin. And Vladimir Putin is on the other side of that table, smiling a little bit, as Mackie Saul lays out the problem.
1: There are two main issues, crisis and sanctions. And we need to work together to overcome these two issues so that food, namely cereals and fertilizer, are removed from the sanctions list.
2: The reason that the meeting is so interesting is because each side needed something from the other.
0: Eddie Wax covers food and agriculture for political Europe.
2: So Putin really needs allies. He needs allies, obviously, not in the West, because the West has roundly condemned his invasion of Ukraine. Uh, and the West is trying to arm his opponents in Ukraine to the teeth. But uh, the African nations, many of them are hugely dependent on their food imports.
0: Africa imports more than 85% of its food, according to the UN. And Russia and Ukraine have long offered it affordable sources of food and fuel. And
2: now this war has really frustrated uh, the supply lines going to Africa.
0: Eddie, just to be clear, the foodstuffs, the oil and the wheat that Macky Sol would like to come from Eastern Europe into Africa – That appears to be stuff that Vladimir Putin and Russia are stealing from Ukraine. Is that right?
2: Not all of it. I mean, there have been Western officials and U.S. officials, uh, you know, warning now that, that Russia is stealing Ukrainian grain. This is not to belittle those accusations, but what it's also doing is destroying so much of the production of grain which precedes that.
1: North of Kiev, Andrei Korotkov runs the last operative farm within 30 miles. Do you think that they're trying to use hunger as a weapon? I've seen it with my own eyes, he says. They bombed our storehouses, and when they leave, they steal everything. They often cut the electricity and the water supply, too. Now,
2: Russia is bombing grain stores. They've been you know, shelling farms. They've been killing civilians and making the simple logistics of moving stuff around the country impossible, um, which is obviously terrible for a country which is, relies for so much of its economy on, on agriculture. Russia is definitely deliberately trying to strangle Ukraine's capacity to actually grow food in the first place. Russia in and of itself is an even bigger grain producer than Ukraine. So it's not like Russia needs Ukraine's grain for itself. Russia is an absolutely gigantic exporter of grains and it exports far more fertilizers than Ukraine does. Um, And fertilizers, of course, are are what Africa is going to need to grow its own food for the next year or two, especially if the food affordability crisis gets much worse, as many people think it will.
0: I imagine African leaders, including Macky Sall, have been confronted with the fact that they are buying fertilizer and grain from a country, Russia, that is waging a widely condemned war against Ukraine. Is it fair to do this? What have they said?
2: I think that their answer would simply be, is it fair for our people to starve because of a war in Europe thousands of miles away, which has ultimately not, not much to do with us? It's very tricky territory for the West.
0: Western nations have urged Africa not to buy into Russia's view that the West is at fault for a growing global food crisis.
2: Russia is pretending that there are massive sanctions on wheat, that it's damaging Russia's capacity to export food around the world. That's just not true. I mean, the real reason that this food crisis stemming from COVID and inflation and climate change has got so much worse this year is because of Russia's invasion. So we'll we'll be moving into a period where many countries around the world will be trying to stay neutral in order to stay fed.
0: All right, so let's parse these two different situations. You have you have Russia, which has its own exports, and then we know for months now some 20 million tons of Ukrainian grain has been sitting there and not getting out into the world. Who is involved in trying to get this blockade to end or to get around it?
2: There are lots of diplomatic efforts going on, but the fact is, you know, from where I'm sitting today, I kind of think a lot of them are doomed. — the EU's plan is almost the, the last ditch plan. The EU shares a border with Ukraine, you know, several countries share a land border with Ukraine. So, what the EU is saying is let's ramp up the exports by trains, by trucks and just get out as much grain from Ukraine as we can over the land borders. But unfortunately, due to many complicated problems like the fact that the railways are different sizes between Ukraine and, and Poland, uh, that's actually not a very feasible plan. And Many people are saying that basically not even one-fifth of the normal export capacity can actually be reached by this plan, which the EU has called rather triumphantly solidarity lanes. And that plan also includes kind of trying to get the grain out into Poland and then shifting it north and getting it through the Baltic states. like. Like Lithuania, some of those uh, ports on the Baltic Sea, and then maybe it can be shipped out across the world. So that's really a long route, it's going to be expensive, it's going to be logistically problematic. And you know, exports by land have started to slowly ramp up. I just don't think anyone's really that confident that it can reach the levels that it was before and the levels that are needed, especially with another harvest on the way come, you know, next month and come August. And there's going to be millions and millions more tons of grain coming. And then the other big thing, which is making headlines at the moment, is this two-track diplomatic effort at the moment. The UN is spearheading efforts to uh, broker a deal which would not only help uh, Ukrainian exports get out faster, but also help Russia export things. Ah. You know, I suppose that's probably the way uh, the UN is trying to get Russia on side. So Antonio Guterres, the Secretary General of the UN has been saying for a long time that there needs to be, you know, protected corridors created in the Black Sea.
3: Russia must permit the safe and secure export of grain stored in Ukrainian ports.
2: Obviously that would require serious demining of some of those ports. And then there would have to be an agreement for Russia not to start bombing any of those ships, especially if they were Ukrainian ones that were using the Black Sea. And of course, Turkey, which obviously has a strong presence in the Black Sea as well, and is a NATO member, is involved in another set of talks sort of bilaterally with Russia. But from the reporting I've seen, it doesn't seem like Ukraine is actually involved in those talks, those parallel talks. So it's all very complicated. And I mean, the US has also sounded very sceptical about this, uh, lots of these promises by Russia to guarantee the safe export of Ukrainian grain. And, you know, who can blame the US for being sceptical about that? Because, you know, Russia said they wouldn't invade Ukraine for a long time, and then they did. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, I'm not sure their word is really worth much anymore when i think you know most cynically putin is clearly this meeting that he had with the, the african union chair shows that people are coming to him they're fawning they're falling over themselves to talk about the great historical ties that you know we, our countries have had and avoiding calling it a war and using all this you know language that's acceptable to putin so if putin's getting these countries in this situation getting them on their knees to a certain extent then why would he just suddenly agree to a un backed deal to reopen the Black Sea, because it seems like things are working in his favor at the moment on that front.
0: Could other countries, let's say Ukraine's foodstuffs are stuck, Russia's are only going to go to certain places if people, as you say, fall on their knees before Putin. Could other countries elsewhere in the world jump in and start growing wheat and making sunflower oil to make up the difference here?
2: Yes, the the world's Largest food exporters like Brazil, Argentina, Australia, the European Union, the U.S., Canada—you know, India—they can all grow more of specific crops if they have a top-down approach and the government starts to incentivize their farmers. I mean, here in the EU, for example, they've freed up a couple of million hectares of uh, previously sort of dormant land, and various countries are encouraging farmers to grow more food. But you know, at the moment, there isn't actually—it's—it's important to say there isn't actually a food shortage in the world. There is enough food.
0: Do you have an understanding of how much time is left to figure out a solution to this? Like how long from today until people in other regions of the world start starving because they can't afford food?
2: Well, people are already starving. The World Food Programme and the UN uh, Food and Agriculture Organization are are saying that there's going to be tens of millions more people uh, pushed into starvation in the coming months or the coming years. This is a swirling nexus of really bad things that are happening, climate change, conditions, droughts in East Africa, um, poor harvests potentially on the way in North America. If you're a government that's already coming out of COVID, you've got very little money to spend anyway. And suddenly, you know, food prices are rising. Where do you find the money for to keep subsidizing food, to keep trying to bring it down? People dying, you know, in their millions is, is terrible. And that is the worst that can happen. But ultimately, there could be these spillover effects and that's what is the most terrifying warnings that certain political leaders are trying to give. That's how they think that they're going to get through to people in Europe and in the rich West and in America. And that's by saying, listen, if there is all this instability and if there is all this starvation, uh, that's going to have political ramifications, just like with the Arab Spring, which obviously there, there were food price rises that were happening and the imminent build up to that.
0: On top of climate change and rising inequality, the Russian invasion will deepen poverty and increase instability. thousands of miles from where missiles and shells are causing devastation.
2: They're saying there's going to be migration, there's going to be political destabilization, there's going to be unrest, and that is going to end up on Europe's shores, and that's going to end up, you know, with refugees, nationalism, revolutions... We shouldn't just think about this as a food supply crisis. Um, It's not necessarily because there's a shortage of food, but it's because of the way that the world food system functions. And it relies on a very small cluster of major exporters, like 40 million extra tons of wheat uh, can be exported from the EU, probably in the next coming year, a year and a half. So that's important to say because it's not like there's just not enough food going around, it's it's that food prices are just getting get too high. And what's even more important than food prices getting too high, or what could turn out to be more important than that, is the price of fertilizer, which has already been high for so long, for many, many months, even predating the invasion of uh, Ukraine by Russia. But because Russia is such a major exporter of fertilizers, it controls a lot of the trade of it worldwide. And the real threat is that if Russia can use this as a weapon, it can say, "Okay, we're not going to export fertilizer anymore. And all that would do is push up fertilizer prices even more. That would threaten food yields um, in the coming years. And, you know, then it's just one thing on top of another.
0: Our show today was produced by Avishai Artsy and edited by Matthew Collette. It was fact-checked by Laura Bullard and Tori Dominguez, and it was engineered by Paul Mounsey. I'm Noelle King. It's Today Explained.